Good morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. This is about the best crowd we've had in the last few weeks. We appreciate your presence, all of you. Today we are concluding a series we've been doing this month on the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We have so far had lessons on the authority of Christ. We've had a lesson on going into the world and teaching the gospel to every nation, the importance of baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We have looked at the importance of teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and how we need to continue teaching those who have been saved. And certainly we should. Today's lesson is on the last line of this commission. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. As we look at this last line, I think most of us, if we just looked at it, just took a glance at what was being said here, we would see words of comfort. Jesus was about to depart from His disciples. He was about to ascend into heaven and leave them to carry out this mission of teaching the gospel to all the nations. And in this departure, he says, Lo, I am with you always. And we might think of this as words of comfort to them in his departing from them. But let me suggest to you that these words are more than just words of comfort. They're, they're not idle words by any means, but these words have great meaning for these disciples. Jesus was making a promise to His disciples that He would be with them always. Jesus would be present with His followers in many ways following His resurrection and His ascension into heaven. Jesus became the head of His church upon its establishment. He became the great high priest that no other could be. And he served as a mediator between man and God. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to study in depth the ways that Jesus fulfilled his promise to be with his disciples always. Not only in how he was to be with his disciples, the ones that he was speaking directly to, the eleven. But we also want to understand how this promise relates to us today. We are his followers today. We are his disciples. And Jesus is telling us that he is with us always. This is his promise to us today. 
First of all, let's look at how Jesus was the head of His church. Jesus as the head of His church. First of all, let's look at the church as it was promised before its existence. Turn with me to Matthew 16. We'll begin here. Matthew 16. Let's look at verses 13 through 19. I believe this was in another one of our lessons. But if you'll remember in Matthew chapter 16, if we look at the, the context of what's happening here, Jesus, speaking to His disciples, He asked them a question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And in verse 15, He said to them, But who do you say? that I am. So now he's gone from asking them, well, well who do, do, do other people think that I am? Now he's asking them directly, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? What do I mean to you? Simon Peter. We're studying Simon Peter on Wednesday night. We found some very interesting things so far about his life and his character. One of the things that we find out about Peter is that he was often outspoken. He was often the first one to speak in any situation. And wouldn't you know it, he was the one that spoke up here in Matthew 16 and verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus was not going to build his church on Peter, but on the confession that he made. On the basis of that confession, the foundation of that confession, belief in the Son of God. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus was going to establish a church. And not just any church. He was going to establish His church. Now let me suggest to you that there are many churches in this world. But not all of them are His church. Jesus was to be the head of His church. Now if you look at any denomination, one of the things that you're going to find in most cases is that Jesus is not the head of that church. There are many congregations that meet whose head is found in some city as a headquarters and they make the decisions as far as that church is concerned. How many times have we heard on the news of 
of a certain church that was facing controversy because they decided to change some policy to include something that wasn't originally included or someone that wasn't originally included. The head of those churches is not Jesus Christ. Jesus was going to establish His church, the church in which He was the head, in which the congregations of it make up the body of that church. We'll look at that in a moment. But Jesus promised to build His church. And He built it. He established it. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We see that the church was established on the day of Pentecost following His resurrection and His ascension. Following His death, He had already commissioned that His apostles would carry out His will. Go back to the last verse that we read, verse 19 in Matthew 16. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now we come to Acts 2 and verse 40. Peter has preached the first gospel sermon. And in verse 40 of Acts 2 it says, And with many other words Peter testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. They were added to His church, the church that He had promised in Matthew 16. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 47. In verse 47 of Acts 2, it tells us that the Lord added to His church daily those who were being saved. Not just any church. To His church. To the church. It being His church, as we read in Matthew 16 and verse 18, Christ became the head of His church. Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23. And God put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. This is Jesus we're talking about. He gave Him to be head over all things to the church which is His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. The marriage relationship is described later in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 22 and following. The marriage relationship is compared to the relationship of Christ to His church. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, 
so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Jesus deserved to be the head of His church. He sacrificed His own life on earth on behalf of His church. He gave Himself for her. Why? That He might sanctify and cleanse her the washing of water by the Word that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, that she might be without spot or wrinkle, that she should be holy and without blemish. Looking at this from the standpoint of Christ and His relationship with the church, it was His blood that purchased His church that redeemed His church. He deserves to be the head of His church. As we see the structure of the church, we see that the elders of the church look to Christ as the head. They look to His Word. They make sure that what we're doing is in accordance with God's will. The elders are not the head of the church. Christ is. We as members follow under their leadership as He is the head of His church. We become members by calling on the name of the Lord in obedience and baptism. Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1. And verses 2 and 3 said, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He was writing to a congregation of the Lord's church that was found in Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul himself was told how to become a member of this church. Ananias speaking to him said in Acts 22 and verse 16, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus is the head of His church. We are members of that church when we obey His will in obedience to the plan of salvation, repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins. As we remain faithful, Jesus promised to be with His disciples always. 
One of the ways that he was with his disciples is as the head of his church. As them being members of his church. Let's look at Jesus as the great high priest. We understand that the high priest of the Old Testament held the highest office of service over all of the priests who served. The Hebrew people, we understand, looked to the high priest to know the will of God in Numbers 27 and 21. As we look at Jesus as a high priest, as the high priest, we see that Jesus came to preach and fulfill the will of God. Mark 1 and verse 38, But He said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. John 5 and verse 30, I can of myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus came to fulfill the will of God. And thus we have an understanding of the will of God through Him. Jesus became our high priest. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's notice verses 1 through 11. Hebrews 5 and verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. Now I'm comparing this to the Old Testament, the Old Testament law and, and how the high priest was to serve then. It says this in verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest, but it was He who said to Him, You are My Son. God speaking to Jesus. You are My Son. Today I have begotten you. As He also says in another place, You are a priest forever. According to to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him, called by God as High Priest. 
according to the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Jesus became the high priest. We understand that he was a compassionate high priest who could sympathize with us. Hebrews 4, 14-16. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We read of His purpose as high priest in Hebrews chapter 2 beginning with verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to aid those who are tempted. And Jesus is our high priest. It is through Him that we know the will of God. He offered Himself on our behalf so that we might be redeemed to God. He has promised to be with us always. He is with us always as our high priest. Finally, let's look at Jesus as a mediator between God and man. Christians have a great privilege. We have the privilege of being able to come into the presence of God through Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Paul writing here. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved 
and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He had a purpose in being our mediator. We understand that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 9 verses 11 through 15. Hebrews 9 and verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance as a mediator of the new covenant. The old law was put to death when Christ was put to death. And so we have a new covenant with Christ. The New Testament is what we follow today. Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. He's also a mediator in prayer and intercession. Going back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7, through 7, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, who may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, there's one God, one mediator between God and man. As Christians, we cannot come before God until our sins have been taken away, have been covered. Sin keeps us from God, but Christ stands in between <coughs> He is our mediator between us and Him and God.
As we look at Christ and we look at His promise, we understand that He would be with His disciples always. And another way that He stands with us, that His presence is always with us, is as a mediator between us and God. Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice for His people. He died on the cross for our sins so that those might be taken away. We must be obedient and we must remain faithful to the plan of salvation. As long as we do, this promise is with us. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age, to the end of this world, Jesus will always be with us and even further then as we spend eternity with God in heaven. As we've noticed before, this is not just spoken to the 11 disciples that were left. The ones that Jesus was speaking directly to, but this applies to us as well. The apostles have all passed from this life. But we have left with us their words, their teachings. We have a duty to carry out the commission that they began. We carry the gospel today to every nation. As the church, as Christians. And this promise that he spoke to them is just as good for us today as it was for them back then. Jesus promised to be with His people. And He is with us. He is with us today as a mediator, as a high priest, as the head of His church. But is He with you always? This promise is made to Christians, to faithful children of God, are you counted in that number? Have you been obedient to the plan of salvation? Have you obeyed the gospel and been baptized for the remission of your sins? If not, I'd be glad to help you in that need in your life. Maybe you've not remained faithful and you need to come back to serving God in the way that you should. Rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for prayer on your behalf or for forgiveness for something that you've done. But if there's a way that we can help you to be a faithful child of God today, if there's something that stands between you and God, let us help you. We stand ready to assist you. If you have any need whatsoever, come as we stand and as we sing.